Welcome everyone to another episode of the Immigrant's Journey podcast, a space where we learn and grow through immigrant stories from around the world. Today we have with us fellow podcaster Rob Cook of the Contenders Wanted podcast, where he shares guest stories of achieving success without sacrificing the most important things in life, which for many is family and faith. But today, Rob is going to share his own family's history and story of immigration, perseverance, and success. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Carmen. I really appreciate the invitation. This is exciting. Uh, I love family history, and I love sharing the story of my family. So the opportunity to do this on a podcast, is, for me, feels like a, a really unique experience. So thank you. I appreciate it. That's fantastic. So you're in California yourself and you are American. I am. Where did your family's immigration story begin? Yeah, I like to say that all of us Americans are immigrants in our own way, right? If you go back far enough, any of us are all immigrants. And that's certainly the case in my family's family tree. Um, my grandmother's on my mom's side, she was, she was a brown and they've been here forever. But effectively, other than that line, everyone is an immigrant within the last generation or two. Um, for example, my mom is a Schmidt, which is very pure German. Um, then on the Cook side, because my name is Rob Cook, my grandma Cook, she's a Setzer which is also German. So they, they were German descendants not too far back. And then on the Cook side, if you go just one generation back from my grandpa Cook, his mom, her name her name was Dietrich, which is also another German. So there's a lot of German that basically runs through my family uh, pretty, pretty quickly. So my family f feels very close to Germany in different ways. Um, but I'd love to share the story of actually the Schmitz because the Schmitz feel uh, they're very dear to my heart. My mom is a Schmidt. And for the longest time, we didn't know the story of the Schmidt family. It was just kind of uh, in a way we kind of generally knew our history. We knew that we were we, we said they we were told we were kind of part Russian, but we didn't know what the real story meant was. Well, my cousin, who's the same age as me, I'm, um, you know, early 30s, when we were in college, we both kind of gotten the, got this itch to figure it out. And uh, so we both independently of each other started doing some research, trying to figure out where's the Schmidt family from? Because my grandfather was a first generation American, but his dad, we just knew he'd come from Russia. He didn't share a lot of details. We never really knew. And he died when my grandfather was pretty young. Um, and so we didn't really have anything to go off of. <laughs> and so it was like searching for a needle in the haystack. Well, one day my cousin um, had been doing some research. He had ordered a book that supposedly was going to help him in a certain way. And the wrong book comes to this library where he was doing some research. And he's like, oh, crap, I don't need this book. What is this? So he starts flipping through it and then come to find out it was Although it was the, not the book he had ordered, it was exactly the book that he needed. What was it? And what we found out was that the Schmidt family originally was from a small town in Western Germany called Brühl. Uh, it's outside of Cologne, right there off of the Rhine River, if anyone's kind of familiar geographically with where that's at. Um, think kind of northwest of Frankfurt, if you kind of know German geography. And in about 1812... Catherine the Great of Russia was trying to get people from 
her, she was of German descent from Germany to populate Southern Russia. Russia had just gone through an expansionary war with the Ottoman Empire and had um, taken over much of what is today modern Ukraine. So in Southern Ukraine, just on the north side of the Black Sea, uh, where modern day Odessa is, there was a lot of German immigrants who came from Western Germany to Southern Russia to kind of populate that area. And that's where my family was from. And they lived there for about a hundred years. Um, and they were one of the prominent families within Sults. Sults was the name of the town. It's actually no longer exists. Uh, if you Google it, you can still kind of find it because there's kind of traces of it. But the town itself and in its thriving time in kind of the late 1800s um, doesn't exist really anymore. Because about 1914, uh, the rise of the Bolshevik Revolution, middle of World, World War I, um, there was some heavy persecution for all those German immigrants who had come to Russia. Russia was kind of on this track for German na uh, Russian nationalism um, and the rise of the, the Communist Party within Russia. And so a lot of Germans fled the country. Uh, and my family was one of them. We left Sults, Odessa, Russia at the time, but it's now Ukraine, and came across Europe, war-torn Europe in the middle of World War I, left through Denmark, came to um, modern-day Ontario, and then immigrated into the United States by way of Michigan, the very north end of Michigan through a town, a town called St. Clair, and then lived in Montana for a few years, and then came to uh, LA where some other family members and friends had moved to. And that's where my grandfather was raised. He was born there. My great grandfather was born in Russia and moved with his family when he was about 14. Um, and so finding that story was just incredible because we had no idea where our family's from. Now, since then, that same cousin who found that story, he's been over to Brule and he's looked up, you know, family records and we've, you know, done some stuff going over to Ukraine as well to find family records there in Odessa. But the Schmidt family and the legacy of perseverance and of doing what you need to do type of thing, there was these values in the Schmidt family that have carried through generations. My grandfather was very big on his family, keeping the family close, keeping the family tight, looking after always the family, which was something that he had gotten from his dad, who was that German Russian immigrant. Um, and for me, we've always, and we in our family always felt this close tie to these ancestors. And we never really knew the story. We never knew why we felt close to them. But all of a sudden, then having this context, having this background on just that one line, in my family just helped draw us so much closer to them and gave us, I don't know if what the right exact right word is here, but you know, great pride in our people and kind of where they're from. And it's given us great desires to go and learn more, which I think is a great blessing of sharing immigrant stories is having those desires to teach the next generations of, you know, the values and the lessons learned from those immigrant family members. Absolutely. And when your family moved over, your great grandfather, did they bring over any cultural aspects like foods or traditions or anything that was unique to his Russian background? You know, it's funny. Um, 
being a couple generations later, there's things in our family that we will attribute to them, but I couldn't tell you if they're actually legitimately <laughs> German-Russian. So like, for example, we have what we call German tacos in my family, <laughs> which makes no sense. And But all it, I mean, it's, it's tacos with potatoes in them which I know is a staple over there, but I mean, like, it doesn't make any sense. You're laughing. I laugh too, because we look at it, we're like, whatever, German tacos. That's what, we, that's what we refer to them as. But like, who knows where that came from, frankly. But, you know, we, we have little things here and there. I think it's, for us, things that have carried over, you know, two, three generations later are more the values, not necessarily like specific, like, little quirks or specific food, like, yeah. foods and things like that. Cause let's be real as Americans, everything just kind of gets blended all together yeah. anyways. You know, I mean, yeah, I've got German and basically every single line, but so I've also got Irish and I've got English and I've got Scottish and I've got Norwegian and uh, my, my wife's family, they're all Danes, you know? So it's like, there's just a huge mix of everything uh, at this point, but um, I love it that way. Cause I think it's so much more fun. Definitely. And as people integrate they adapt things from other cultures and it becomes part For sure. of their culture and they pass that on to their children. Exactly like you said, it becomes a complete mishmash of everything. And I think it enriches everything. Do I would you, agree. Do you recall any stories of difficulties that your family had in terms of actually entering America? You mentioned that they came during the First World War. Like, mm -hmm. do you know what enabled them to get legal status in America as opposed to a different country in Europe? Yeah, great question. Um, the short answer is, I don't know. Um, there are stories of what it was like when they first got here. Um, so for example, my grandfather often talks about how they were so poor growing up because they had basically left everything to flee Southern Russia and come here that <laughs> my grandpa got really good at math because he and my great grandfather would gamble in the evenings to win money and they would count cards and my grandpa said he'd get beat his, his father would literally beat him if he lost money so he got really good at counting cards and doing math he'd play uh, cribbage cribbage was actually a big game in our family because that was one that my great-grandfather was really really good at and my so my grandpa subsequently got really really good at and when i learned how to play it as a teenager um, my grandfather would kick my trash because <laughs> he would just he'd pick up the cards, look at them, and know exactly how many points he had because he had, as a kid, if he had missed a point, his dad was going to whip him. Um, and so we we would hear stories about how it was really really stressful coming over. Um, yeah, and how I mean, my grandfather, my great grandfather died when my grandpa was about ten years old. So if that puts that in any context, I mean, that was 1940. He'd only been here in the States for about 20, 25 years, maybe uh, at that point. Um, and uh, it was rough. My grandfather, when his dad dies at 10 and it's only him, his sister and his mom, my grandfather effectively then became the breadwinner in his family. And he talks about getting jobs all through high school to pay for everything. And then he, I mean, my great grandmother worked a side job, of course, as well, but I mean, she didn't bring in much and he would have, he had to go work. He lied about his age and entered the military when he was, you know, 16, 17 years old, uh, goes and serves in the Korean war just so that he can send all of his money that he made back home to his mom. So it's stories like that, that we learned. Yeah. Um, and 
I think for the longest time, because it was so hard, it was so difficult. And because my great grandfather died so early, we didn't hear a lot of the stories of what it was like when they first came because they, they just weren't around. And so for us, it's been a journey of discovery us. And I say us in this generation to say, we have this great legacy of hard work and determination. My grandfather wound up going on and building a very successful business and, you know, kind of that from the ground up type of success story that you hear a lot of times from those immigrant families that come here to the United States. He did the exact same thing. But because we have this pride in our Schmidt family, all of a sudden we had this desire to go and figure out how did they get here? Where did they come? You know, what was that story like? And so for us, we're trying to piece together these fragments of memories and other people just because no one knows because great grandpa Schmidt never really shared. Um, it <laughs> yeah. is his story. We just hear these fragments. Like I told you, like getting whipped because he, he uh, lost money in a betting game type of thing. It's such a shame. Like even when I think about my own grandparents and great grandparents, I don't know Jack about my great grandparents. Like I know that they come from Europe, from Portugal and Spain and Italy. So mm-hmm. that's like my um, European background, but I don't actually know their story. I don't know why they left Europe, why they ended up in Brazil what was the struggles, how the family kind of divided. And that's such such a thing that kind of resonates with you as you get older. You want to know what your family background is, what they've been through. Do you remember any stories from, you said there's the Schmidt family. And Mm -hmm. what was the other one? There's Schmidt, Setzer, and Dietrich. They're all different immigrants. Have you researched them at all? Yeah, actually. So... You talk about not knowing details of your, you know, great grandparents. So my great grandma on the cook side, great grandma Dietrich, Bernice Louise Dietrich was her name. Um, when she was a little girl, um, probably 10 years old um, is when her family immigrated from Germany. And so that would have been just before World War II um, is when her family would have immigrated right around right around the time of World War II. Um and theirs was an interesting story. The, the short version is that's one that we're still trying to discover and figure out exactly where they came from. Uh, we know that they were from northern Germany, which actually um, Pomerania, which used to be part. Uh, there's also parts of Poland in that nowadays. It used to be its own entity, kind of early 1900s. It's not own entity, its own country. Um so they were from Pomerania. We knew that. And we know that uh, Grandma Dietrich's oldest brother served in the German army in World War One um, because he had been drafted. And actually, no, was it was World. Yeah, it was World War One. Um, and after World War One, they, you know, they were trying to get the family over here to the United States type of thing. And they had to come in waves. And great grandma Dietrich's only memories are uh, as a little girl being on this train ride forever. Yeah. <laughs> and we have just, you know, little memoirs at the very end of her life is because she couldn't remember the town that they were from. She couldn't remember exactly all these little details. So we've had to go back and kind of search them out. Um, so all that we know is that the Dietrich family came from a town in northern um, Pomerania, the Northern Germany, Pomerania area. Um, they were actually likely very wealthy. We found out that they were, they were actually landowners, but due to kind of the political environment, they fled Germany and came here to the United States. Um, they actually went to Wisconsin. So my Schmidt ancestors were in Michigan and then Montana and they were in Wisconsin and they had, cause they had some family that was in Wisconsin. And then they came here to what's called El Dorado County, just outside of Sacramento, California, where I'm from today. And the family's been there basically ever since. Um, 
Um, but yeah, they came in separate waves because the one brother was still stuck in the German army trying to get out so that he could then come here to the United States. Um, but that's really all we know. A long train ride from northern Germany. Then they were in a, a, a port town where all the records burnt down and uh, got destroyed, actually, unfortunately. That was there on the German coast. And they came Canada, Wisconsin, and then here to California. Kind of a, seems like a normal, almost a, a recurring route. We're seeing a lot of yeah. my, my immigrant ancestors taking. Have you ever tried to do like the 23andMe ancestry thing? I have. You can find more relatives. And have you gone back to Germany to visit any relatives? Um, the short answer is I have not. Uh, I have a cousin. I mentioned the, the cousin earlier who's been doing a bunch of this. He he travels the world. That's just like his thing. And so he's been to Brule. He's tried to find uh, various ancestors there. But at this point, we're far enough back that the the connections are pretty distant. So it's kind of hard for us to necessarily find direct family members. Um, I personally have not been back there. I've done like the ancestry DNA. Um, my grandfather did the 23andMe before he passed away. Um, and it's basically pure German. <laughs> um, uh, for me, actually, if you actually look at my ancestry uh, DNA mix up, I'm actually only about... 8% German, I'm like 10% Norwegian and like 80% English, Irish, Scottish type of thing. That's just the way my, my genetics have worked out. Um, uh, but yeah, the short answer is no, we have not. We've, we haven't really been able to connect with any family members back there. Do you know why your family chose America as opposed to the UK, for instance, considering that you do have that yeah. historical Great question. Uh, the short answer is I don't really know. Um, I know that there were some family members and friends that were here in the United States. So likely that was a big yeah. pull. Um, and because that's usually the case in a lot of immigrant families, you see wherever friends and family are, that's where they tend to go as well. Um, so that would be my guess, but we don't know for sure. Yeah. That was the same with me when I, my ex and I decided to leave America. We were thinking, cause I wanted to go to a English speaking country cause he was Polish and I'm like, I'm not going to go to Poland. I'm 26 years old. I'm not going to learn Polish. Yeah, good point. luck. Love, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's either going to be the UK or it's going to be Ireland. And we chose Ireland for exactly that reason. We had a friend that was living here. Yeah. And it really is easier just to kind of like settle into a place and figure out what's going on when you do have somebody that's already been there for a while. And it can be yeah. quite overwhelming to settle into a new place, even doing simple things like getting oh, yeah. documents, learning how the system works. And yeah. Well, and then that language barrier just becomes, it makes everything else so much harder, yeah. right? Um, I'll share with your listeners that I actually speak Spanish. Uh, I'm born and raised here in the United States in California, but I served a two-year mission for my church in Houston, Texas, of all places. But I served Spanish speaking. So I, I lived in the middle of Houston in these, I think the best way to describe them is almost like little little Spanish ghettos where okay. it's like everybody was a Spanish speaker and I was the big white boy because I'm 6'5", 235. You know, there's a big white boy walking around speaking Spanish to people, right? <laughs> but um, learning Spanish when I was the only English speaker, it, that was really, really hard. Um, and just trying to have basic communications, feeling like you're just a part of the community, just feeling like you even know what's going on, um, can be really, really daunting. So the idea of being an immigrant coming from another country and then learning the language and having to figure out everything else. And when you're now immersed in a totally new culture, that's in, that's really, really hard. And now it's not quite the same. I was in Texas, but to some small degree, I can understand why 
go find those family members. Go find the people who at least speak your language <laughs> so you can have someone you can talk to and you can have someone to kind of show you the ropes. I, That's exactly exactly. I think the only mistake that sometimes immigrants make is not integrating enough. Like when I think of my own grandfather mm -hmm. and him and my grandmother coming from Brazil, when they settled into America, they got kind of established this little mini Brazilian community with the church as well. And they mm -hmm. kind of only associated with Portuguese speaking people, which didn't mm. help them integrating into American society, didn't help with their language development. They got on fine, but I just feel like they really missed out yeah. on the American experience by isolating themselves to that extent. And maybe it's because they were older when they went to the United States. Like all my aunts and uncles are completely fluent in English, as are my cousins. Because once you get a couple of generations in, yep. the integration just naturally happens because you're yeah, going to course. school, you're growing up with the culture, watching the film, yep. like everything. But I suppose when you're an older adult, integrating is probably a bit more difficult. Do you have any yeah, stories about your so. family trying to integrate into America back in the day? Once again, because so much was lost, we don't. Um, Isn't that a shame? I, I, run, I know. It really is a shame. Um and actually what I was going to say next uh, kind of ties with that. So although I don't have stories of my own family coming and working amongst the Latino population here in the United States gave me a kind of an outsider's perspective of maybe what that was like for my family, yeah. because I interacted constantly with families that had immigrated from various parts of Central and South America um, and sometimes, you know, parts of the Caribbean, depending on where they're from type of thing. And saw their families and what it, what it was like. And we saw this all the time. There were, because you could effectively find little communities, communities of fellow Latinos from your same country, and you could go to markets where you could buy all the same stuff that you had wanted before. We found that a lot of the adults, this was definitely what happened. They, they didn't really learn English. They would learn what they kind of needed to for their job, but they would just stick to speaking Spanish in the home. And I would look around and I'd see so many kids who I had met who were the kids of these immigrants who could speak broken Spanish. They could understand everything, but they yeah. kind of speak broken Spanish. But they just speak in English. Yeah. And I felt like it was such a shame because for me, having come from a family where we were immigrants, but we had lost a lot of those cultural aspects. It made I just kind of sometimes want to take, take the kids and be like, like, what's wrong with you? Like, listen to your mom, dad, number one, because you should just do that. Number two, because like, don't lose your family's culture and heritage. Not that we lost it. It just got assimilated with everything else. And so this is a beautiful gift that you have. Make sure you keep it. Um, and so, you know, for any listeners of the show, if you are an immigrant yourself or if you had an immigrant family, make sure you keep a hold of that stuff, because three generations later. We wish we had that. Exactly. You know, we wish we knew those things because it would be such, it would tie us so much closer to those parts of our family. That's exactly right. Like even when I think of my own experience, my parents were so keen on us learning English and being able to get on with it that they stopped teaching us Portuguese. Obviously I can still understand it and I can speak a bit broken yeah. Portuguese, exactly like you were saying with the <laughs> Spanish people, but... <laughs> is such a shame, but I am actually illiterate in my own original language. I can't read or write in Portuguese because my parents never taught it to me. And this is yeah. genuinely is such a loss. And it's like, yeah, I could probably like do it now, but. And it is a natural thing, right? It's an uphill battle. Any immigrant family is going to have. Um, but I think if you make the concerted effort to 
share cultural pieces or at least the stories of the immigration and what it was like coming to the country or, you know, share various pieces of that language, at least to some extent. I mean, it, it is a part of all of your family, so you might yeah. as well try and maintain it. Absolutely. And language is actually a fascinating thing because the way people express themselves is different from country to country. So it oh, actually yeah. expands your thinking and how you think about concepts because of the linguistic differences. Like there's mm-hmm. certain things in Portuguese that you can't really translate to English because it just, it loses something. And it's like you either get it in that language or you don't. It's not exactly yep. transferable, and which is fascinating. So there's there's yeah. a lot to language that adds not only to our cultural development, but also our intellectual development and how we think yeah. about things. I totally agree with that. As an American who speaks a second language, which is pretty rare, honestly, if you come here to the United States, sadly, it's pretty rare. Um, I would completely wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, for me, learning Spanish, although it's, I'll admit, it's a pretty simple, pretty easy language uh, from a linguistics perspective. Um, it has just expanded my ability to appreciate the Latino peoples and to understand where they come from so much more just because I speak their language. Yeah. You know, not even the fact that I spent two years amongst them and kind of got a deep dive into their culture just by being there, but just the language alone. Okay, here, here's a great here's a great story. When I was um, a pretty new missionary, <clears throat> I was sitting there one time trying to have a conversation with a gentleman, and I asked him, you know, w- which of these kids is your your daughter? Because there was you know three or four kids running around. And he goes, "Esa gordita por ahí," which means like <laughs> that little fat girl over there. And I was like, "Excuse me, did you just call your girl a little fat girl, right?" Like in in, in English, you would never call your child a little fat, the little fat girl. Like <laughs> that's horrible, right? But for them. That's just a descriptor. It's, it doesn't really mean anything. And and I remember that was like the one of the first times where I remember being like, okay, there's a serious difference between the way I speak English and the way these guys are speaking Spanish. Okay. Note to self, you know, and it just, <laughs> it's the little things like that over time that just kind of help you understand other people. Absolutely. But exactly like you said, they're calling them gordita. Like it's almost like a term of endearment and affection. Oh, it totally is. It is a term of affection. Whereas in English, it would be totally derogatory. (laughs) Call your daughter the little fat girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so hilarious. So what do you think is one of the most important lessons that has been passed down to your family? Oh, that's easy. And that is that family is first and foremost, the most important thing. Um, I'll tell a, um, tell a story here of my grandfather. So my my grandfather was a large impetus, um, behind contenders wanted and its message of incredible success without sacrificing what's most important. Um, I've kind of already alluded a little bit to his story of being that, the young kid, his dad dies and he has to go and provide for his family, goes and creates this successful business. But all along the way, even though he worked very, very hard and he sacrificed a lot, it was always about the family all the time. Everything that he did was to strengthen the family, grow the family and protect the family name. For him, the family unit was the most important thing. When I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I already referenced I went and served a mission, and I've had multiple, co- I have 36 cousins on my Schmidt side, and wow. many of us have all gone and served various missions, and one of my cousins, um, he was 
not sure if he wanted, I mean, he wanted to go, but he just, he was, he was scared. He was yeah. really scared. And he shared a story with me later that grandpa gave him a big hug, you know, told him he's going to be great. But he then whispered in his ear and he said, whatever you do, don't do anything that would look bad on the Schmidt name Ooh. effectively. And it was like a, like gave him the look like, don't do that, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Um, because for him, the family protecting the family looking after the family, helping the family grow, making opportunities for the family was, was everything. And even though he's not here with us anymore, we still, those of us in this area still get together and still spend time together. We still look out for each other. I, st that cousin I told you who likes to travel the world, I still hang out with them, um, at least a couple times a month. Uh, even though our lives are on different tracks and the family for us is the most important thing. And so when someone's in need in the family, the family shows up when it's almost like, have you ever seen the movie, big fat Greek wedding? Yes. We always joke that that movie should have been titled the big fat German wedding. Cause that would have been our family. <laughs> We're all up in each other's business. We're always looking out for each other. But if anyone is in ever in need, you, it's all about the family. Yeah. You're there for each other. That's a beautiful yeah, exactly. message. And I want to thank you so much, Rob, for coming and sharing a little bit of your story. And it's a really nice message as well. So if people want to find you online, where can they get your podcast? Yeah. If you want to come and check out Contenders Wanted, we don't talk about immigrant stories, but we talk about highly successful individuals and we try and help everyone out there have success without sacrificing those things that are most important. We're on all major podcast platforms. So literally go anywhere, any, you know, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. We're on it. Um, you can find us there. If you'd like to connect with me personally, I'm on LinkedIn is my main social platform. I just feel like there's a lot of gunk and a lot of others. So I just stick to that one. You can just look me up, Rob Cook. Um, yeah. Or you can email me directly at rob at contenderswanted.com. Would love to connect with anyone on your show. Swap Fantastic. Stories. I will put all the links in the show notes. And Rob, thank you again for stopping by and sharing with us. And until the next journey, ciao.